Listen to the words of the hymn, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to you. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 though the darkness hide you, and though the eye of sinful man your glory may not see, only you are holy. There is none beside you, perfect in power, in love, and purity. We have been looking the month of November at thanking God for His work among us. This morning I want us to look at thanking God for who He is in the essence of His being, and that is His holiness. We are called to engage God, encounter God, but engaging and encountering God means that we encounter Him as holy. If there is one description of God that is used over and over and over again from Genesis to Revelation, and in particular in the book of Psalms to describe God, it is the word holy. What does it mean for God to be holy? And what does it mean for you and I to encounter Him in His holiness? Turn with me to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Now as you turn there, I am at a very distinct disadvantage this morning in bringing this message because the holiness of God, I can explain it from an intellectual, theological perspective, but the holiness of God is something that you and I will not understand or even begin to grasp until we experience His holiness. Words fall far short from the experience of the holiness of God. And so this is what I want to encourage you and beg beg of you this morning. That you will take this message and sometime in the next few days get alone with God and say, Lord, I want to ask for a fresh experience of your holiness. I'm not satisfied with just an intellectual knowledge about it. I want to engage you as you are, even though that may seem somewhat intimidating. And I want to experience, Lord, for myself, your holiness. Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. 
Tremble before Him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Before the Lord, for He comes. For He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His faithfulness. And we're going to focus on verse 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. What is God's holiness? Notice verse 9. It says, worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. The word splendor there carries two basic ideas. First of all is the idea of the excellency, the majesty, the magnificence of who God is. And what the psalmist is saying here and calling us to is worship the Lord, encounter Him in the absolute excellency of who He is, in the majesty of who He is, in the magnificence of who He is. So many times our worship and our anticipation of worship is too mild, too laid back. And the reason for that is we are anticipating a God who is weaker and more inadequate than who He is. If I'm going to truly encounter Him, my job is not to try to make God someone that I am comfortable with. It is rather for me to adjust to who He is in His excellence and in His majesty and in His magnificence. And by the way, folks, when we adjust to God in His greatness, the side benefit of that is when we go through difficult times in life, a weak, vacillating inadequate God will not get us through, but the powerful God that He is, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who created this earth, He is the one who will get you through when you're in the emergency room. He is the one who will take hold of your hand and walk with you out of a cemetery and tell you there is a tomorrow. He is the one that you can call upon when you look and you wonder how you're going to take another step forward. He is the great God that we are called upon here to worship. He is the same one who took all of our sin on the cross in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and three days later walked out of there, resurrected in all power and in all glory, having conquered our sin, our guilt, our shame, death, and the grave. Worship Him in the majesty of who He is, in the magnificence of who He is. The word splendor there is a Hebrew word that also means a combination in harmony of all of the elements of who God is, all the attributes of who God is. Have you ever been to hear a symphony, either heard it in person or watched it on television, and before the symphony begins to play, all the instruments are up there and they're all tuning. I guess that's what they call it. That's not my field, but anyway, it is a horrible sound. I mean, you're, you're standing, sitting there listening, and it's just all this discord and these terrible sounds, and it just, it's like, you know, I'm going to use an old expression here, fingers on a chalkboard. It sounds absolutely horrible. And then when the orchestra leader stands up, all of that horrible sound stops, and, and everything blends together and comes together, and you have this magnificent sound 
that begins because all of those various different instruments now are playing together in harmony. The idea here of worshiping God in the splendor of His holiness, this word splendor, is the idea of all that God is in harmony. Hearing God, seeing God, experiencing God in the harmony of who He is. So the power of God, the love of God, the majesty of God, the grace of God, you name it, every aspect of who God is, we are seeing and we are hearing it together. One of the problems sometimes I think we have in understanding God is we try to dissect God. In the, in the West, intellectually, we are very given to trying to put everything underneath a microscope and dissect it and examine it and look at it. So we'll take the power of God and the love of God and the grace of God and try to sort of dissect it and examine it, see if we can understand it. But the idea here is not to try to dissect God, not to try to put God under a microscope. It is rather to listen and watch and engage God in all that He is so that I am engaging the Lord in the absolute harmony of all that He is. Worship Him in the splendor of His holiness. Now, the word holiness... Several ideas in the word holiness. First of all, the word in its root means to mark something off. To mark something off. The word as it was used in the ancient Semitic language meant that you took something and you marked it off and you separated it and you said this is different, this is separate, this is other than what everything else is. The word sacred came to be associated with it. So if you said something was holy, you meant it was different from everything else. You meant it was separate from everything else. It had been marked differently. It was other than everything else. It was worthy of respect and all. And the idea of the holiness of God is that God is other than us. He is separate and He is different from us. Now, our temptation at this point is to say, well, because God's different than me and other than me, then I'm just going to sort of withdraw from God because I'm sort of scared of Him and intimidated by Him, etc. But I need Him to be other than me. I need Him to be far more powerful than I am. I need Him in His greatness. I need Him in who He is as being other than who I am. He is in a different sphere than what we are in. I talked about it several weeks ago. I said, you know, if you look in this room right now, there are Wi-Fi connections in here. We can't see them. We can't touch them. They operate in a whole different sphere, but they're here. The power, the presence, and who God is is in a different sphere, but that does not keep Him from being present with us. The second idea in holiness is that God is absolute purity. When we encounter God, we are encountering Him as absolute, total purity. He is like a gem. He is without flaw. He is without stain. Total, absolute purity. So the idea of the holiness of God is that God is other than us. He is different from us. He is above, greater than us. But He is also that in absolute, total purity. And we don't know anything in this life that has not been touched and stained by sin. So it is hard for us to wrap our minds around God being absolute, total purity. But that is what He is. That is the idea of His holiness. Think about God as Creator. When God 
burst onto the scenes in the opening chapters of the book of Genesis and he begins to create. He creates as separate from and different from and far greater than his creation. God moves in his creation, but he is separate from the creation. He's not controlled by the creation. He is other than the creation. And how does he create? He created in absolute purity. Sin was not present. When God created, he created that which was out sin. We introduce sin into the situation, but when God creates, he creates without sin, total purity in what he created. Worship Him how in the splendor, in the harmony, in the coming together of all that He is in His holiness. Now, how do we respond to the holiness of God? The temptation to respond to the holiness of God is to say, I'm overwhelmed by His holiness, so I'm going to withdraw from it. The temptation is to say, I am so unholy that I cannot encounter His holiness. The temptation is to look at His holiness and say, you know, I am so sinful, I'm so messed up. Lord, I, I just don't want to do that. And then sometimes it's just we have a laziness about us. Well, I just don't want to put the time, effort, or energy into encountering His holiness. Now, how do you and I encounter His holiness? We're going to look at the two words that He uses here in just a moment. But I want to hit on one point before we get to that. And that is the issue of how can you and I be worthy to encounter the holiness of God? Well, the first thing you do and I don't need to do is if we look inside ourselves and make a decision about whether we're worthy to encounter the holiness of God, we're going to give up before we ever get started. How do you and I have the ability, the worthiness to encounter God in His holiness? When you and I trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior, the Bible says that we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus of our sin. And that we are placed in Christ. You will see that phrase used over and over and over again in the New Testament. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. Because we are in Christ, He places us in His Son and it is in the worthiness of Jesus, not our worthiness, that we are enabled to worship. Don't lean on yourself. Lean on Jesus. We don't come in our power, our strength, our ability... We come in the work and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has made us worthy to worship. And God took the initiative and did that because He wants us to encounter Him in worship. He has given us the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see in a few moments, creates within us a yearning to worship the Lord. Now, how do we respond to the holiness of God? Verse 9. He says, worship the Lord and tremble before Him all the earth. First of all, he says, worship. Now, I need you to do something with me for a minute. I need you to take all your preconceived notions about worship and sort of lay them aside for a minute, okay? Because when we start talking about worship, we usually start talking about style and what style we like and what style we don't like, which I understand that, but that really doesn't have anything to do that much with what worship is about. We tend to think about Sunday morning, what kind of room we're sitting in, and how if it's hot, cold, and what kind of the instruments, and the whole nine yards. But that's not the idea of what he's talking about here. The word worship here, when he says, worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness, the word worship means to bow down, to fall 
down flat. The root of the word literally means to depress something. It was a term that was used in a reflexive sense in that day that when you saw royalty, you automatically responded to royalty by getting on your knees or laying down flat on the ground and your physical body posture was saying to the king that was passing by, you are the king, I am your subject, I submit to you, I do whatever you say, and you are absolutely, totally worthy of any adoration that I give you. And my body posture of being on my knees or lying down is my way of physically, visibly saying to you that you are worthy. So the idea here of worshiping Him in the splendor of His holiness is that when I come into the presence of God, the first thing I do is I bow before Him and I say, Lord, You are worthy, and because You are worthy of my adoration and of my life and of my obedience, I bow before You. I just stretch out before You. Let me suggest that when you get alone with the Lord periodically, that you and I do just that. Now, I know it's not Baptist to do a lot of bowing and getting down. It's biblical, may not be Baptist, I won't go there. But uh, anyway, it does good to use our bodies to worship Him. And just get along with God and say, Lord, I want to kneel before you. I just want to lay out on the ground before you. I want my body to say to you in the position I'm putting it in that I submit to you and you are worthy of my adoration. You are worthy of my praise. You are worthy of my life. The idea is that when I worship, humility dies like a die wood deeper into my soul. Worship is a huge statement of ownership. I am saying to him in worship, I belong to you, God. I am yours. The Bible says that we were bought with the precious blood of Christ. And so when I worship him, I am making a statement to him that Jesus, I belong to you. Worship the Lord. The word Lord there is capital L-O-R-D. It's the covenant name of God. Again, in the covenant idea, it's that sense of belonging. I belong to Him. He belongs to me. And then it says, tremble before Him all the earth. Now, the word tremble there in the original Hebrew of this passage carries two ideas with it. The first is the idea of deep all. I am just awed by God. You know, we live in a day and age where we throw the word awesome around about everything. Pizza is awesome. You know, whatever experience we have, it is awesome. Everything is awesome. Or epic, you know, whatever the term is. And sometimes they get a little nervous that because we're ascribing awesomeness to everything, nothing really is awesome after a while. The idea here is that he is the absolute 
total, I'm going to make up a word here, awesomeness. You can't get any more awesome than he, he is. Let me encourage you to use your imagination and do this. Find yourself, place yourself at the foot of the cross, looking up at Jesus dying, being crucified for you and for me, shedding every ounce of blood in his body for us. And then imagine yourself standing on that Easter, first Easter morning at the tomb when the stone begins to roll and the ground begins to quake underneath of you. And the same one that you saw bleeding and dying now walks out of that tomb and he is healed and he is alive and he is full of energy and life. That you look into eyes that were pale in death that now radiate strength in the glory of God. And when you do that, you can't help but say, Jesus, you are awesome. I want to worship you. I want to bless you. I want to submit to you. Now the second idea behind this word, it means to twist or to whirl. To twist or to whirl. Tremble before Him, all the earth. What in the world is He talking about? Twisting and whirling before Him, all the earth. I think the idea there is celebration. Of dancing in celebration. You see, after I encounter Him and I see His awesomeness, and I submit and I adore Him and who He is, that just takes me to the next place, and the next place is celebration. I begin to celebrate in His presence who He is. Years ago when I went to be the pastor at South Norfolk Baptist Church, we were located in an urban inner city community, and our theme one year was taking it to the streets. And the idea was we were going to go out in the streets and we were going to share Jesus out in the streets in any and every way we could. So the theme was taking it to the streets. My people got so tired of hearing me talking about taking it to the streets. We had a big banner up in the sanctuary that said taking it to the streets. And that was our theme. And then the next year I said, Lord, what needs to be our theme? And the next theme was revival in the streets. If you take the message of the gospel into the streets and the Spirit of God begins to move, you begin to have revival in the streets. By the way, when you read the book of Acts, when the Spirit of God's poured out, He never stays contained in a sanctuary in a room and always flows out into the neighborhood, out into the streets. So it was taking it to the streets, then revival in the streets, and then our third year, the theme was rejoicing in the streets. Because when you take the message to the streets and God sends revival, then you can't help but start rejoicing. And you see, the idea here is when we tremble before Him, we engage Him in His awesomeness, the next place God takes us to is celebration. We begin to celebrate who He is, what He is, and what He has done. Folks, when we begin to worship, 
sooner or later our worship is going to show up on our faces and that we're going to start smiling a whole lot. Sooner or later our worship is going to start showing up in our energy level, in the enthusiasm we've got to serve Him. Sooner or later our worship is going to show up in our feet and that we are going to be excited and moving around because we want to talk about Jesus and share about Jesus, etc., Tremble before him all the earth. And notice it says, verse 9, where do it all the earth. I think the idea that the psalmist has got there is when the church, when the body of believers, when we as his people experience him and we worship him in his awesomeness and then he begins to release his joy inside of us, people around are going to want what we got. Have you ever been in a restaurant and you see somebody laughing and smiling? I mean, they're having a good time and you're listening to a table of people sitting over there and they are laughing and carrying on. What do you think? Man, I'd like to get in on what they've got. I'd like to hear what the joke is or whatever is going on. We're drawn to that and that's the idea here. People see the joy of the Lord and they want to be drawn into it. John Piper in his book, Desiring God, lists three stages of worship and I want to give those to you right now, Okay. I'd love to claim that I came up with this myself, but in all honesty, I can't. This is John Piper's book, excellent book, Desiring God. And he lists three stages of worship. Number one, the first stage of worship is the barrenness of our souls. I really don't want the Lord. I'm not really seeking the Lord. That's not really, the Lord's not a part of a, of a focus in me. It's like a small little flame of desire deep down on the inside that's about to be extinguished by everything else. My soul is barren. But I say, God, in my barrenness, would you please begin to fan a flame of desire for you inside of me? Number two, longing and desire. A longing begins to grow in us. A desire begins to grow in us. We begin to persevere in that longing. There is a zeal for obedience to Him and being in His presence that begins to grow inside of us. And then third, there is an explosion of joy. Psalm 63 and verse 5 says, My soul shall be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. We start with barrenness, we go to longing, and then at some point, he releases within us that explosion of joy. Here again, the words of that hymn that I opened with. The third stanza expresses our frustration at trying to connect with God. Holy, 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 though the darkness hides you, though the eye of sinful man, your glory I may not see, only you are holy. There is none beside you. You're perfect in your power, in your love, and in your purity. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, all your works shall praise your name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, holy, holy Lord, you are merciful and mighty. God in three persons. Blessed Trinity. Let's pray. Lord, we want to encounter you today in your holiness.
We thank You for Your holiness. We thank You for the call that You have given us to encounter You in Your holiness. And we just want to bless You and praise You and worship You as holy God. Lord, thank You for coming to us as You've come to us. And thank You that we see Your splendor, Your majesty, Your harmony, Your awesomeness in the person of Your Son our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus and begin to know Him, to follow Him, to serve Him, to walk with Him, I want to invite you, I want to encourage you as we sing to walk the aisle of this church in just a moment and say, today I want to follow Jesus and I want to know Him and I want to serve Him. I want to know what it is for my sins to be cleansed and take guilt to be taken away. I want to worship Him and follow Him. If you're here and you sense that God has been nudging in your heart and saying that He wants you to be part of this church family, then I invite you to come and join here with us. If you want to come and just kneel before the Lord and worship Him during the time of invitation, feel free to do that. I want to encourage all of us during this time to worship the Lord in the splendor and the magnificence of His holiness. In Jesus' name we pray.